Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have a guest speaker this morning, Chris Conrad, the superintendent for our uh, region. And in uh, a moment, we will hear from him as soon as we get it set up and ready to go. Here we go. My friend, our superintendent, Chris Conrad. Hey there, my name is Chris, and I'm so blessed to be with you today. I have the privilege of serving as the chief towel carrier for the Great Lakes region. Now, what in the world is that? That's just another way of saying that we exist to serve you. The Great Lakes region exists to do the very best we can to come alongside you and serve you as you do your very best to be Jesus in your community. And it really is an honor for me to be with you today. Thanks so much for the privilege. Now, we're going to jump right into what I think Holy Spirit wants to say to us. So strap in. One of the things you'll get to know about me fairly quickly is that I don't talk very slowly, but I'm really excited about what the Holy Spirit, I think, wants to speak into our lives and our hearts. So let's just open up to what Holy Spirit might want to say to us, and we'll get right started, okay? Have you ever noticed when you're around someone that they tend to like to talk about the things that really come to their minds, like right off the top, and some of those things might vary, but often they're the same things. In other words, they often talk about the same things. For instance, their hobbies. Maybe you've got a friend that loves to talk about boating or fishing or sports or art or, you know, whatever it is that they might be in, exercise of some kind. And they're into that. For other people, it's their heroes. And their heroes are their grandkids or their heroes are their children or a friend of theirs or someone who they just really, really appreciate. And so they naturally start talking about that individual. Or they start talking about their own hang-ups, the things that frustrate the daylights out of them. And that could be a whole plethora of different things. Maybe, maybe it's the government, maybe, you know, politics. Maybe it's the, the road conditions or something. It's just the things that just get under their skin that they talk about. Or maybe for them, it's their habits. Maybe the things that they love, they love to watch television. So they, you, you sit down for a conversation with them and you immediately start talking about the fact that, the, you know, their favorite television show or their favorite thing that they love to do in, in their free time. And sure enough, it's their habits. It's the books that they're reading. It's those kinds of things. Maybe for them, it's the things that make them happy, the vacations they like to go on, the way that they love to hang out with their friends. Here's what I've noticed. When, when you hang out with someone, they tend to go back to four or five things that they like to talk about, that they feel comfortable talking about. Now, I don't know how long you've attended church. Maybe you're fairly new to church, and if so, welcome to this church. You've chosen a great church to hang out at. But one of the things I've noticed is, is that pastors have two or three themes. It doesn't really matter how many messages they preach in any given year. Sometimes they'll preach 30 or 40 or 45 messages a year, maybe more, and but I'll tell you, it, they could talk about anything from Matthew to motivational stuff. They could talk about anything from Luke to difficult things in people's marriages. They could talk about anything. But here's the thing. You, you always see the theme of their own life come through. And it, it tends to be a, a, a very natural theme for them. It tends to be a very typical theme for them. Well, here's what's interesting. I think if you were to study the life of Jesus— if you were to look at his life, I think what you'd notice is, is that he had a couple of themes. Things that he just naturally went back to. Things he just naturally went back and talked about. 
And if you looked at his life, and if you studied the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think what you'd find is, is that there are reoccurring themes that he continued to go back to. Now, to help set the stage for this, I want to I tell you a story, and it's a true story. A story about a college professor, and it was his first day of class, and so he had the students that were coming, and they'd never really met him, and he never really met the students. And so after he did a couple of very introductory things, he looked out at one of the students, and he looked at this person. Let's just, let's just call her Susie. He looked at her, Susie, and he said, Susie, how long have you been fully alive? And Susie, Susie looks back at him and says, uh, 19 years? And he said, no, 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 no. That's how long blood has been flowing through your veins. That's not what I ask you. I ask you, how long have you been fully alive? And Susie looked at him like, he's a bit of a whack job. Like, what's your problem? Like, why don't you just, you know, calm down here? And the professor said, Susie, let me help you out for a minute. He said, when I was, when I was in the fifth grade, when I was 11 years old, I, I happened to grow up in New Jersey. And so our class took a field trip to the Empire State Building. And as a typical fifth grader, I was running around everywhere, kind of being rambunctious and stuff. And they said, but for some reason, Susie, and during that time, I, I stopped. I have no idea why, but I can still remember that moment as if it was happening right now. And I, I just began to take in the entire cityscape of New York City. I began to take it fully in. And in that moment, I just remember looking out, and I was fully alive. And I will remember that, Susie, for the rest of my life. Because in that moment, I really was fully alive. So Susie, let me ask you, how long have you been fully alive? And Susie was actually a very astute student. Again, this is a true story. She looked, past, she looked back at the professor and she said, well, professor, if you put it in those terms, Maybe five or six minutes, maybe. And then she made this incredible statement. She said, I guess in all reality, most of my life has been the meaningless passage of time between all too few moments when I was fully alive. I think that statement is true for many, many of us. And what's sad about that is, is that if we happen to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then he's the one that comes alongside of us and says, you need to know something. You need to know that I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, that you might be full of abundant life. That's what I want you to live. That's what I want you to live in. And all too, too many Christians live their life and all too many people live their lives with the meaningless passage of time between all few and fleeting moments when they're fully alive, when Jesus wants us to live a fully alive life. So there's this incredible story that I want us to look at today out of the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. And it's an interesting story because many of you will know it. Jesus is walking alongside of a lakeshore. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever gone fishing before. I, maybe, maybe you love to fish. Maybe fishing is something, it's a, again, going back to what I was talking about earlier, your hobbies, maybe it's a hobby for you, and you love fishing. 
I'll tell you, I'm, I'm in my 50s, and I've gone fishing probably, I don't know, seven or eight times. True story, I've never caught a single thing. I, I've had people say to me, hey, Chris, we want to take you out fishing. Let's go. And I've gone with them, and I, I haven't caught a thing. I, I must jinx them. I don't know. I must be bad luck. I, I, fish don't like me. I, I, I don't know, but I've never caught a thing, and that's a true story. And that's okay, because it doesn't mean anything for me, but I, I want you to pretend for just a moment that you're a commercial fisherman, that that's what you do. And we've got television shows now called Deadliest Catch and those kinds of things that talk about what it's like to, to really be out there and be a commercial fisherman and fish. Well, Jesus is walking alongside the seashore or the lakeshore, and he comes a, across these guys who have spent the entire night fishing. The only problem is, is that they haven't caught anything. Now, I don't know about you, but if if I'm going to spend the entire night, if I'm going to work third shift, and I'm, I'm going to spend the entire night fishing, and I'm going to work, and if this is what I do for a living, if this is how I put food on the table, pun intended, if this is how I provide for my family, and I don't catch a thing, then chances are I'm probably not in the best of moods. I, I probably am not giddy. I'm probably not all that excited. And it's in that moment when the bummer of bummers is that not only did the disciple, or excuse me, did not only did these men not catch anything, but not only that, but they have to clean their, their nets now. So it's a bust of an eye, and you still got to clean your nets. It just stinks. So again, they're not in great moods, and it's in that moment that Jesus walks up, and he looks at them, and he says, guys, I, I'm wondering if I can borrow your boat for just a minute. You see, in Jesus' day, it was long before Hulu, it was long before gaming, it was long before Netflix, it was long before ESPN, it was long before all those things. And so there was not a whole lot of entertainment to be enjoyed. But every once in a while, someone would come along that would be a great communicator. And when that person came along, people would flock to listen to them. They would follow them and listen to them. Many times just for the entertainment factor. And that's exactly what was happening that day. Jesus was in the midst of teaching, and people were following him, and so many people, in fact, were following him that he was running out of room along the lakeshore. And so he looks at these guys who are cleaning their nets, and he just says, hey, can I ask a favor? Can I get in your boat and row out just a little bit so I can continue to teach? Because if you've ever been on a lakeshore in the morning, then you know that sound is a wonderful, wonderful respondent of sound. Water, excuse me, is a wonderful respondent of sound. So that's what Jesus did. He, he decided, if I can get in one of these boats, then people will be able to hear me. And the guys are gracious enough. And so a couple of them said, sure, you can borrow a boat. And so they, they got in the boat. And Peter was the guy's name. And he had a brother, Andrew. So Pete and Andy, they said, yeah, you can borrow a boat. So Jesus gets in their boat. And he, he goes off a little bit. And he, he begins to speak. And he speaks for a little while. And when he's finally done, he begins to dismiss the crowds. And he looks at Pete and Andy. And he says, hey, Pete, Andy, what? Why don't we go out a little bit and let's, let's go fishing? Why, why don't we go fishing again? And, and I'm sure Pete and Andy look back at Jesus, and, and although they never really said this, at least we don't know that they said it, I'm sure what's got to be going on in their brain at that moment is, hey, Jesus, you might be a great teacher. Like, you just got done teaching, and that's all fine and good. You, you might be a, a fairly good teacher, but let, let me just help you here, Jesus. Do you know that fish do not, do not bite at this time of the day, Jesus? This is not the optimum time to go fishing. But we don't want to be rude, so fine. So Pete and Andy, they, they go out a little bit, and they, they put their, their nets down. And as many of you know, Luke tells the story of how all the fish in the lake just start swimming for their nets. And their nets get so full that before long, these two guys, 
Pete and Andy, they start calling for their partners in crime, for their, their, their fellow commercial fishermen, their friends. John and James. John! James! Get over here! <laughs> they call them over so that they can begin to fill their boat with fish. Because their, their boat, and Pete and Andy's boat, it's already full with fish. And, and now they filled John and James's boat too. After this was over, they start rowing back in. And what we do know is when they got to shore, Pete looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, look, I, can I just be honest with you? Look, I'm a fisherman. I'm a commercial fisherman. And I don't know if you know much about commercial fishermen, but we don't always have the cleanest of mouths. And there'll be times at 3 o'clock in the morning when James will say something stupid or John will do something stupid and I'll just let him have it. And sometimes, Jesus, when we come back into the shore and there are gals sunbathing there, I look a little bit longer than I should. Jesus, I don't know much about you, but I can tell that you're a pretty spiritual guy. Would would you mind? I just, I, I don't think I should really be close to you. And it's in that moment when Jesus flipped it. He does this beautiful thing, and he looks right, right at Peter, and he says this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Peter. From now on, you're going to fish for people. From now on, you're going to fish for people. So you know what they did? Scripture says they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Can I take that verse right there and just, can I paraphrase it for you? You know what Jesus looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter, I've got a mission for you to fulfill. I've got a destiny for you to fulfill. I've got a mission and a destiny for you to fulfill. And, and Peter begins to totally reorient his life and begins to follow the things that Jesus had for him. And I just wonder if we could catch up with Peter about a, about a decade later and say, Peter, remember that day back on the on the lake, remember that first time you really met Jesus? Remember that day when he looked at you, Peter, and said, hey, Peter, why don't you leave the nets and come and follow me? I'm going to make you a, f- a fisher for people. Hey, Pete, just one question. Was following the mission, was following the destiny that Jesus had for your life, was it worth it? And I think what you'd see in that moment it's just that you see this huge grin come across Peter's face and you say, oh, you have no idea. You just have no idea. Now, I think he'd probably say, do you have a minute? And he'd begin to share with you all the stories and all the times when Peter was used by God to see amazing things happen. And Peter would say, after he shared with you for maybe, I don't know, a half an hour, an hour, maybe longer than that, Peter would look at you in the eye and he'd say, a thousand times, yes. A thousand times, yes, it was worth it. I'm so glad, I'm so glad I followed Jesus into the destiny, into the mission that he had for me. And you know what I want to say to you? This is that Peter and James, Andrew and John, good friends, the four of them, Jesus doesn't love you any less than he loved them. And Jesus has a plan for you and a destiny for you to fulfill that's just as important as the destiny and the plan that he had for them to fulfill. 
Now, it might not be as public as thing. That really doesn't matter. What matters is, is that that is where your abundant life is found. That's when you become fully alive. You become fully alive when you take the time to discover how has God wired me up and what has he called me into? See, instead of spending so many meaningless moments in life, Jesus has an invitation. Holy Spirit has an invitation on the table for you today to just say, will you, will you, will you follow me into the destiny and into the mission that I have for you? Because I've got so much for you. You know, do me a favor, will you? Just to kind of reiterate this, I don't know, you know where you might be today, but do me a favor, just turn to your neighbor and say this. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got an awesome mission for you. Go ahead, do it. Turn to your neighbor, turn to whoever's around you right now and just say, God's got an awesome mission for you. Now go ahead and do it. And now, would you say one more thing to them? And say this, and that mission is going to fill you up with so much joy. Go ahead, do it. That mission is going to fill you up with so much joy. Now, I believe that. And, and let me say one last thing about the mission that God has for you. It's not about addition. It's always about multiplication. It's never about addition. It's always about multiplication and everything that God wants to do. See, it's not small. It's, it's bigger and, 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 and more important than anything that could probably come to your imagination right now. Now, again, that doesn't mean more. When I say more important, I don't mean by that that the whole world is going to know everything about it. No, no, no. What I mean by that is that it's going to fill you up, and in the long run, it's going to mean so much more to people than you can ever imagine now. The sad truth is, way too many of us miss it. The sad truth is, is that we either miss our mission altogether or we miss the multiplication factor of it. We think too small. We think in human reasoning. We don't trust God for the, the, the things he really wants to do for us. And so we shrink back. There's a guy by the name of Moses in the Old Testament. And God comes to him and says, Moses, I want to use you to do some spectacular things. And you, you see this interchange between God and Moses over and over again in Exodus chapter 3. Where God says, Moses, I want to do these things. And and, and Moses just says, no, I'm not good enough. No, I'm not good enough. And that Moses interchange still happens today. You still see those kinds of things happen where God says, oh, I've got a destiny for you. I've got a, I got a mission I want to fulfill through you. And people shrink back from it. And God says, no, 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 I want you to fully live into it. Because when you fully live into it, when you have the faith to fully live into it, you will not you will not believe the kinds of things that I'm able to do. And there will be a day when you just shake your head and say, I'm not that good. Only God could have done that. And God will say, absolutely right. Thank you for allowing me to work through you to bless other people. There's so many people around you that Holy Spirit wants to bless. And he wants to bless them through you. Now, here's the deal. When we fully understand and see ourselves on a mission then something really cool happens. First of all, we get focused. We get focused on that. It's like, I'm on a mission. Like, I, I'm not just sitting here, you know, going, walking through life aimlessly. No, no, I'm on a mission. I'm focused. And then the other thing is, is we don't allow ourselves to get distracted by non-critical things. We just don't let that happen. We're, we're focused on this. As a matter of fact, there's this guy by the name of Timothy, and he writes in the New Testament of the Bible a passage of Scripture that I want us to see. 
This comes right out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. And I'm taking it out of the Amplified Version. This is, this is what Tim, excuse me, this is what a guy by the name of Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. Paul writes this. He says, No soldier, Tim, in active service, gets entangled in the ordinary business affairs of civilian life. No, no, no. A good soldier avoids them so that he may please the one who enlisted him to serve. See, what Paul was trying to tell his, his protege, Timothy, his disciple Timothy, hey, Tim, there's going to be different things that are going to come at your life. They're going to try and distract you. And not all those things are bad things. Not all those things are evil things. Sure, there will be evil and bad things that try and distract you, but there will be other things that try and distract you that just get in the way. And what, what Jesus is trying to say, what I think Holy Spirit is trying to say to us today, and what Paul was trying to tell his protege, Timothy, is, Timothy, don't get distracted by the things that get in your way. Keep chasing after the mission that I have for you. Keep chasing after the destiny that I have for you. Now, I got to tell you, I want you to think for just a second about a football team. We, we all know what a football team looks like. We, we've been to a game. We've watched it on television. We understand that there are different positions on that football team. There's a defensive end. Right? There's the halfback. There's the quarterback. There's, you know, there, are, there, there are the coaches that are there. There are the trainers that are there. There are different positions on a football team, absolutely. But they all have one mission in mind, and that's what? To win the game, of course. They want to win the game. And, and all to say to us, there are all different kinds of responsibilities that we will have on God's team. As a matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, um, in Ephesians chapter 4, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Romans chapter 12, the Bible talks to us about the different gifts that God gives us. And you are like no one else on the face of the planet. God's given you a specific personality. He's given you a specific disposition. He's put inside of you specific gifts and specific talents and specific abilities. And he wants to combine all those along with the history that you've got, that he has brought you through. He wants to combine Combine all those into the destiny and the mission that he has for you. And no one else can play that. No one else can play the role that God wants you to play. So if you sit back and don't play that role, don't think someone else is going to play it. No one else will play it. Because God's got that as a destiny for you to fulfill. He's got that as a mission for you to fulfill. And here's the thing. When we follow that mission, when we allow God to lead us into all that he has for us, Again, that's when our lives become fully alive. That's when we feel the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And that's when we sense that people's lives are being impacted by what we're doing. I have a really good friend. Her name is Annette. Now, Annette is a, a wonderful, wonderful accountant. That's what she does. She's so good with numbers. And, and I... I I just am not that great with numbers. I mean, I got through high school math. I got through algebra. I got through all that, you know, praise God for that. But Annette is awesome at math. And she's just really good. And she's awesome at accounting. And Annette happens to be on the Great Lakes region team. And Annette helps churches every once in a while when they get stuck with their accounting. And she comes alongside of them and, and helps them and serves them. Now, here's the thing. You would never know Annette's name. You would never know Annette's work. Annette's never going to get up on a stage, and she's never going to preach a message. That's not her sweet spot. That's not where she feels most alive. But when Annette is helping a church figure out their finances and get them figured out, and when she's helping them come alongside and say, these are the systems that you can set up. These are the things that you can do. Annette feels God's pleasure 
she feels God's anointing in that. And she feels like she's fully alive. And so please don't mistake the fact that you have to be on some stage someplace, that you have to be on a worship team or you have to preach a message in order to be fully alive. No, 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 not at all. God has a destiny for you to fulfill and a mission for you to fulfill that will look different than the destiny and the mission of the people around you will fulfill. And you just need to... to Fully live into what God wants you to be and be super, super comfortable with that. Now, one more thing. I'm not going to lie to you and I'm not going to pretend. Living fully into the destiny and the mission that God has for you will sometimes take sacrifice. But in the long run, that sacrifice will be so worth it. I'll give you an example, can I? So I have, a, I have a memory that's etched in my mind. My wife, Mary, and I, in 1993, planted a church in a little community called Spearfish, South Dakota. Now, Spearfish has got a stupid-sounding name, but it's a, it's a beautiful community in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And it was my wife, Mary, and I, and 11 other people that helped us plant this church. And I've got this picture etched in my mind of the 13 of us standing outside this little facility, and we wondered if any of, of anybody from the community would come. We were starting this church. None of us really knew what we were doing, and I certainly didn't know, but we were just trusting God and living into the mission that he had for us and trying to fulfill the destiny that we believed he had for us. So we started this little church, and on the first day, 130 people showed up. And now that church, years later, runs over 1,100 people in a community of 5,000 people. Now, here's what I would say to you. If you could walk up to any of those other 11 people and ask them, hey, was it worth it? The sacrifices you made to leave your comfortable position in the church that you were attending. You could have continued to attend that church. You could have continued to be comfortable there. But you got up and you had to show up at 6 o'clock in the morning or 6.30 in the morning to help set up church. You had to be there afterwards to tear it down. You had to do all this work. Was it worth it? Was it really worth it for you? You know what I think they would tell you? I think they would point to the fact that Throughout the life and the history of that church, well over 3,000 people have opened up their hearts to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they would tell you, yeah, all those times that we had to set up the children's ministry because we were meeting in a rented facility, all those times when we went to go start the, the U-Haul truck and bring the sound equipment to the church, but the U-Haul truck was stuck in a snowdrift and wouldn't move, and so we had to do the minivan brigade and put all the speakers and the sound equipment in the back of minivans and get them to church, all the hassle that we put up with. Yeah, the sacrifices we made, absolutely worth it all day long. You see, when you live into the, the destiny and the mission that God has for you, when you will live your life as Peter did, as Andy did, as James and John did, then what you what you realize is, is that is the time when you are fully alive and fully living the life that God placed you on earth to live. And God wants you to discover that. Now, here's the thing. There's an individual component to that, and there's a, if I can call it, a corporate point of that. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Sure, I, I just told you that 13 people, my wife and I included, planted this church, and so we individually were part of that. 
But there's also a corporate part of that. Let me tell you what I mean. There was a sending church. There was a church that had to give up 13 people so we could go plant a church about 20 miles away. They had to give up 20 people. Now, I'm not saying that those 20 people were great people. I'm not saying that we were great, but they had to give up those 20 people. They had to sow into the life of a new church. They had to give up. They had to sacrifice so that other people could hear about the name and the fame of Jesus. There's a there's a passage of scripture out of Acts chapter 13 that I want us to look at where this exact kind of thing happens. It's out of the church of Antioch. And Antioch's got some great things going for it, including the fact that they've got some great pastors and some great teachers. And God's going to call them to do something pretty radical. So let me read it for you. Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, including Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius, Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tatriarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them, the destiny I have for them, the mission I have for them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, I don't know about you, but do you, do you know someone in your life that if God came along and said, hey, I need you to give up someone in your life so they can go. You say, yeah, I know that person. I know exactly who, who I would like to have go off on a missionary journey and be gone for a while. Absolutely. I know who that person is, right? When you're a teenager and you have siblings, yeah, if my sibling can go, that would be awesome. Yeah, get them out of the house. Absolutely. But here's the deal. When God comes to the church of Antioch, he doesn't say, I, I want you to give up the extras. He said, I want you to give up some of your very best. Barnabas means encourager. Now, every time you walked into the door of the church at Antioch, Barnabas was there to encourage you. To say, oh, you look so great today. I'm so glad that you're here in church. Man, you're just amazing. I'm so glad you're here. Paul, an excellent communicator, an incredible communicator. Communicated so effectively, so much better than I am right now. So much better than most of us have ever heard in our life. That was Paul. And Holy Spirit came and said to the church of Antioch, will you please give up some of your very best? Because you see, there are people in other places that need to have a relationship with me. And they never will unless you're willing to send out some of your very best. Unless you're willing to allow them to live into the destiny that I have for them, into the mission that I have for them. So, I want to close today by just asking a few questions. First of all, the very beginning of this message, I told you the story of this wonderful, wonderful fifth grader who stopped what they were doing at the top of the Empire State Building and just took it all in. And later they became a professor and they talked about the fact that in that moment as a fifth grader, they were fully alive. Can I ask you the question? Have you opened up your heart and your life to a relationship with Jesus Christ? See, he went to a cross and died for you so that your sins could be forgiven, so that you could be in a relationship with him, so that you could begin eternal life right now. He's crazy in love with you. The Bible talks from the very beginning to the very end about God's amazing love for you. God just loves you. And you don't have to be perfect to come into a relationship with him. You don't have to have your act together. 
James and John, Pete and Andy, they didn't have their act together. But Jesus loved them. And I just want to ask you, have you begun a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if not, Jesus wants to do that right now with you. It's not complicated. It's not hard. To, all you have to do is say, hey, Jesus, you know everything I've done. You know the mistakes that I've made, the wrong paths I've gone down. Would you, would you come in and forgive me of my sin? I don't, I don't even know all that this means, but I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to see what it means to live a life that's fully alive. So would you come into my heart? And let's begin that relationship together. Now there's another group of people, and you prayed that kind of a prayer a year ago, a decade ago, many decades ago. And, and here's my question for you. Are you fully on the mission are you fully living out the destiny that Father God has for you? Are you aware? Are you living life in continual community with God? Are you doing life with God? Do you get up in the morning and say, whatever I do in word or deed, let me do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, Colossians 3.17. Am I walking with God throughout my day? Am I maybe making little alarms that go off on my watch or my phone just remind me to come back to center again and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on a mission for God. God's got something he wants to do in and through me. So whether I'm going to a grocery store or I'm going through a, 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 you know, a drive through and maybe I see someone for 20 minutes, maybe I see someone for 20 seconds, am I asking myself the question, what does God want to do in and through me in this moment? See, God has... He's got a big destiny, but he's also got a daily destiny for you to fulfill. And my question for you is, individually, are you living into fully the destiny and the mission he has for you? And again, it doesn't have to be on a stage. It can be in very, very quiet and, and, and very, I don't know, nondescript places. But you know that you're living out God's destiny. For instance, some of you, you're living out God's destiny when you pray. You're a prayer warrior, and no one ever sees you do it. But you're praying, you're praying, and you're making things happen in the supernatural that then we get to see in the natural because of your prayer. And the Holy Spirit is just inviting you perhaps to go to another level in that. What is it for you? It could be a plethora of different things, but Holy Spirit is inviting you. And I'm just asking you, are you living into the destiny that God has for you? And one final question. As a church, as a church, are you willing to multiply and what I mean by that is, are you willing to give some of your very best, some of your very best people, maybe even some of your financial resources? Because there's a community that's just down the road from you. Or there's a, a community that maybe is 200 miles away and God's just put a burden on you as a collective body of believers to help this church get started. And you're willing to give up your very, very best. You're willing to sacrifice to allow other people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because according to Jesus and the Great Commission, again, if you looked at what are the things, what are the themes that Jesus continually talked about over and over and over again, he talked about his love for people who are far from him. In Luke chapter 15, he tells these three stories about the Father's love for people who are far from him. And sometimes, sometimes it just gets easy to sit in our, our chairs and sit on, uh, in our rears and forget 
that God's got a passion in our heart for people that don't know him. And he expects us to not just be comfortable, but to sacrificially do everything we can to reach them. Thank you so much for listening to this message. My prayer is that God's blessing will be on you, that you will live in a relationship with him, that you will live into the full destiny and the mission that he has for you, and that you and your church will live out the multiplication plan that he has for you so that more and more people can can come into a relationship with him. Thanks so much. Thank you, Chris Conrad. Thank you for your uh, message with us today. Um, Just as as a note, if you were... uh, as you were following along with Chris there toward the end of his uh, message, he uh, invited you, if you had not already done so, to uh, welcome Jesus as your Savior, as your King in your life. And if you would, uh, if you have questions about that, please feel free to uh, to uh, message us. You can do that through the uh, Facebook page. Um, or you could uh, you can send me an email at Pastor Mark Haynes, P A S T O R M A R K H A I N E S at gmail.com and uh, ask the questions. Uh, ask for a time for us to, to talk together. We can get together on the phone, we can get together online. Um, those are the easiest things for us to do in these days. Uh, but we, I'd be very happy uh, uh, to get together with you in some way, shape, or form uh, to talk about questions you may have about uh, what it means to be uh, full on, no holds barred, all in follower of Jesus. I'd be glad to, to do that. I'd, I'd be happy to do that. I want to thank you. Uh, wherever you are and whenever you are watching. Uh, thank you for uh, taking that time to be with us today. Um, we are sent people. Those of us who follow Jesus are sent. He made it very clear that uh, he was uh, sending us. He said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. We don't go alone because he said he would never leave us or forsake us. We don't, uh, uh, we don't go without help. The Holy Spirit lives in his followers, the spirit of Jesus. God is in us and with us, and he works through us, uh, changes us, and uses us to love people like Jesus would. So I want to encourage you, go out in peace to have courage, to hold on to whatever is good, to return blessings for evil when that is necessary, to strengthen the faint-hearted, to support the weak, to help the suffering, to honor everyone. Well, there's a sermon right there. Well, let's just say it one more time. Honor everyone. Give hope to people in Jesus' name. Love and serve Jesus by loving and serving the people around you. Rejoice in the power of his Holy Spirit to work in and through you. You are sent. 
so you can go with Jesus. Well, I've had uh, a great time hanging out with you and uh, been challenged and encouraged by the message today. Um, thanks for being here again. Thank you very much. It really means a lot. Uh, and I hope that you find that this is uh, a, an encouragement to you as you go out during this week. So I want to thank you for uh, being here one last time, let you know I am praying for every one of you. And uh, if there's anything that uh, you would like me to pray about specifically, please feel free to send it to me in a message and I would be honored to do that. Thank you very much. Um, appreciate your time today. Bye-bye.